Hello and welcome to the first episode of One New, One Old, a new music podcast hosted by me, Nick Beach, and my co-host here is Zane Moothart. Zane, how are you today? I'm doing great, Nick. I'm stoked to be on this pod with you, and I'm super excited. Yeah, it should be a good time. So um, a little background on myself. I'll try not to make this too verbose here, but um, I used to host a podcast with my friend Garrett Chad called the Millennial Scum Podcast, that podcast then, and I'm have had thoughts and ideas for a long time on what to do for my next podcast. And the thought kind of came to me a few weeks ago that I really would like to talk about music as I've listened to some music podcasts, but never really found one that I loved that kind of like talked about new music and old music history, all that sorts of thing kind of encompassed into one. And I hit up Zane and I said, Hey Zane, would you want to do this? Because he and I have a lot of conversations that just center around hey, what'd you think of this album? Hey, what'd you think of this song? And then like, say, five years later, what do you think of this album now? What do you think of this? Where does this rank on your all-time whatever? And I think that um, this can be a good way for he and I to discover more new music, listen to new things, for other people to discover new things, and we just want you here along for the ride. So the format is pretty simple. We're going to talk about one new album that came out in the last week or two from when we record, and then one old album anywhere from a few years old to 30 or 40 years old or maybe even more going back to the 70s or whatever and um we're kind of going to break things down track by track do a little deep dive and then just kind of state what we think of it and hopefully that leads to a greater conversation about music so how does that all sound to you sounds great to me um yeah i just think it's a super cool idea when you reach out to me and uh, both of us are pretty passionate about music and so just speaking of this in a pod, this is my first time on a pod, but I think in the conversation of music, I'm super excited to get into it because both me and you both really know a lot and we love talking about it just every day. So yeah, I think it's a great idea. Definitely. And kind of to go off of that, I think lately you and I both have been listening to a lot of different types of music, whether it be hip hop or indie rock yeah, or pop definitely. or classic rock, R&B, whatever. And kind of just like we feel like we're at a point where we can talk on an educated basis about all different types of music, whether it's new, old, you know, even something old that's new to us or whatever. And I think that brings up a good topic to start out with is kind of how we first got really into music, whether it be, you know, you start listening to music when you're a kid in some capacity, everybody does. But like whether it be in high school and college, whatever, where you really start honing your taste and what you like and finding what you what you don't like and saving up music and now the streaming age, all those sorts of things. So I'll kind of let you start off, Zane. You can tell the people like maybe a few of the artists that really got you into music, what really got you excited about it and how you've progressed in your taste to where you are today. Okay. Yeah. So as a kid, I guess I was pretty influenced by my dad and I wasn't super into music when I was younger, but my dad was always into punk rock and just like Blink-182, that type of stuff which uh, I still love to this day, but that's kind of the first taste of music was like old punk stuff. And then uh, just kind of was a casual listener up uh, until about 2015, I would say, is when I first started getting into hip hop mostly and rap. And uh, I can specifically remember the first album I just like was anticipating being dropped was uh, ASAP Rocky at Long Last ASAP, mm. my senior year of high school. And uh, that's just kind of, what I think of as like a starting point for me really listening to like full albums and really getting into that. And so from there, I was pretty, uh, listened to mostly rap for a long time after that. And then in the last year or two, I've really been trying to listen to a lot more things. 
um, whether that be old rock or alternative or like R&B and pop. So just, I love listening to new music and finding new songs and stuff. And so that's a little background, still a, a lot of rap in there, but yeah, I'm open to pretty much everything. Definitely. And I think another, before I kind of state how I got here, another question I have for you is, do you find yourself, it's, I mean, that's only five years ago, relatively, that's not a super long time, but we're both young. Do you find yourself looking back on how you thought then or how you anticipated an album from a certain artist or whatever and going kind of, huh, I really didn't understand as much back then or like, I, this was not how I think now or whatever. Yeah, I think when I first started listening, I would just be like, oh, this song's good. This song's not good. Like, this is catchy. This is not. And paid a little less attention to like the meaning of the song or an album as a whole. And I think listening more, you, you kind of got to focus when you listen to albums on like a meaning if you're you got to really listen to kind of get that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, as I've listened to more and more music, I think, yeah, I have. For sure. Um, I'll kind of get into my history a little bit with it. Myself the same. I kind of grew up around my dad, and he would play a lot of classic rock when I was a kid, whether it be Led Zeppelin or the Rolling Stones or whatever. And then I kind of hang out with my sister when she started getting into, like, I guess middle school and high school and stuff, like, she and her friends would play like some old school hip hop, whether it be like Dr. Dre or Notorious B.I.G. or those sorts of things, whatever. And I remember hearing that sound and being like so astonished by it. I mean, like, I want to hear more of this. So that was back like in the iPod nano days or whatever. And I was just like buying however many songs a month that my parents would let me buy. And then kind of just like learning more from there and listening to music like in my headphones on the bus to middle school or whatever. And then like, you know, becoming more adept to like hearing albums and stuff and uh it's funny because today we're gonna be talking about Kanye West a little bit but the first album full album I ever bought on iTunes was the college dropout and that was when I was like even younger I think it was when I was in elementary school and um I remember it was like on sale on iTunes for like five dollars instead of twelve dollars or whatever it was and I was like you know what I'm gonna buy this and like I listened to the whole thing and I was like I don't really know why I bought this. I'm like not very fond of it, which Ooh. is which is weird in retrospect. But oh I was God. so young, I just like didn't understand it yet. And um, some time went by, and like I got more into hip hop. But I think what really, really got me into music, like when I was in high school, is I guess it must have been 2013 or 2014 when I guess 2013 when when Wolf came out by Tyler the Creator. And um, because whenever I had first heard about like Odd Future and the whole Tyler the Creator thing, I was like, this is kind of weird this is not to my liking this is a little much for me and then like I listened to it more and like what they were talking about and I'm like this is very strange but it's so different and the sound is like nothing I've heard before that it like gets me excited and makes me wanting more and there were so many different like members of Odd Future at the time I was listening to like all their different music and like when Wolf came out I feel it was like a point where the group like kind of peaked and then after that is like when things maybe started to go downhill a little bit for them but that's what got me really excited and then like kind of just like hearing what my friends liked whether it was the new back then like um let me think like Childish Gambino album or like Schoolboy Q I remember like releasing Oxymoron like I think I started becoming more and more like thinking about releases like when's this gonna come out when can I listen to this yeah, and totally. it was mostly based around hip-hop and a little bit of R&B because Frank Ocean at the time too with Odd Feature but like getting into the world of hip-hop was super fun and like you said kind of like the wave crested a little bit for us in like 2015 and 2016 where we were listening to just like 50s to hundreds of new hip-hop releases per year which it, looking back on it now i'm just like i can't believe that i did that yeah, like so much rap yeah so much like i would just come home from our beach days or whatever and just sit down to 
play video games or really do nothing, honestly, and just like, I'm going to listen to a new album today and I'm like going to figure out more about hip hop. And it helped kind of guide our conversation for the future, just kind of figuring things out. Now, fast forward a few years, I've got more into some different types of music, whether it be indie rock or electro pop or just electronic music itself. Um, I think my taste is definitely more broad now, but I think when people ask me, what's your taste in music? I say, well, it generally starts with hip hop because that's like what really got me into music and some of my favorite albums ever are definitely rap albums. But um, I think like in the last couple of years, I've definitely reached a point where I don't necessarily crave hip hop more than I do any sort of other music. It's just, I'm looking for what's good and what artists I like and obviously new artists I like more and more as well. Yeah. Also, like if someone asks you like, Oh, what kind of music do you listen to? Like, what's your favorite genre? You should have like a genre or two that you should say like, not right. just, oh, I listen to everything. Like, you should have a taste and you should know like the answer to that question or not just say like, oh, I like everything but country or whatever it may be. Yeah. Like, you should have a taste in music, you know? Yeah. I think like the whole, I like everything or I like everything but country thing is a very tired response because I think yeah, like, like have an answer I think, to I think question. you and I could say that too. And then like somebody could ask, oh, who are your favorite artists? And we could list off, you know, seven or 10 people yeah. or whatever. And then. Some people just can't do it, and it's just like, oh, I like everything, and then I, our, I mean, our friend Travis has said in the past, like, when you say you like everything, it really means you like nothing, Yeah. and <laughs> I've always found that funny, but um, yeah, I guess that's kind of like a little bit of intro into Zane and I's listening to music in the past, and we've been listening to a lot of um, new music here in 2020 and talking about it just man-to-man, but now we'll be talking about it on a podcast, and the first album that we will be addressing today is How I'm Feeling Now by Charlie XCX. It's um, it's the new album from the British pop artist. It was released, let's see, last Friday would have been the... 14th? Four, the 15th. 15th. Yeah, the 15th of May, 2020. And um, so we're just recording this six days after it released. So it's not exactly a first reaction, but um, it is pretty close to it. And like over time, I'm sure opinions will change when we talk about these new albums and stuff. But we do think we've developed a pretty good opinion this by now listen to it enough times so yeah we'll get into talking about the new album what we think of it that sort of thing so um first in the conversation about charlie xcx she is definitely i considered before this album came out to be one of my favorite artists as i loved her album last year charlie i um ranked it as my favorite album of the year i think that it is an album that really helped me accept pop music in a way that i didn't before and got me excited to listen to new pop music as the production, the vocal performance was like a really wide range. It was a really exciting album. It seemed like every song I could just listen to over and over and over and never get tired of it. And then so um, naturally I had really high expectations for this new album here, which she promoted the hell out of on her Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And um, Charlie is definitely known for that, for being like a master promoter sometimes to her detriment. But I think is really helpful for helping her gain fans and kind of her cult following or whatever, who she calls the angels. And, um, yeah, definitely like a wild feeling, just like seeing this come out and then actually hearing the music. Cause we had been talking about the singles as it was like the song forever is, uh-huh. you know, we, we both really like it not oh, yeah. to spoil too much here, but like, I think the anticipation for this album was really high for me. Like definitely one of the highest that I've had in a while for an album. And, um, I'm not sure if it completely lives up to expectations in comparison to Charlie, but I do want to start off by saying I really like this album, and I think that 
especially for being primarily recorded during quarantine when life experiences are not the same for really anybody um, as normal, I think that it garnered a really good result. And I think that that's hard to do. Like, I don't think that, um, not to stereotype or whatever, but I think, I don't think that a lot of these, you know, SoundCloud rappers that are just like, I don't have anything else to do. I'm going to drop a ton of music during this or producing the same quality of music that say a Charlie XCX is. And, um, yeah, it's, it's so far. I really like it. What do you think? Yeah. I, I love it as well. Um, so yeah, I just want to say Nick introduced me to Charlie last year, a couple months after her uh, self-titled album, which I really like as do you. And so I was also really anticipating this release, especially cause it was kind of out of the blue when the whole quarantine thing started, she was kind of just like, you know what? Like I'm going to drop an album in a couple months. And then she just like went out, put in the work and just like dropped it on time with no like delays or anything. And I think you really have to appreciate just the fact that almost every track is recorded in quarantine, no features, and uh, it's a really quality album that I really like, and I I would argue that it does live up to the after the Charlie hype, mm-hmm. and uh, especially just considering all the circumstances that everything's in, and artists could be, they could just say like, you know what, this is whack right now, the world's just how it is and I'm just going to sit on my ass and do nothing you know but Charlie really went out and just decided you know what I'm going to make a great album and she did it which I have a lot of respect for Charlie for doing that yeah I think so too and I think what really stands out about this album is um I think that the production is not necessarily as grand and um necessarily I don't know if exciting is the right word but as grand and like um all-encompassing as Charlie was but I think the sound that she chooses which is like kind of industrial kind of electro pop is pretty consistent throughout the album and i think like generally she sings really well over that i think it sounds good like obviously we first heard that with forever uh-huh. and then like it just kind of from the jump like the first track like uh, on pink diamond like i think you really realize like oh this is the sound she's going to be taking and i think that she chose that route because she couldn't like sit in a big studio and record like normal and it ended up making really good tracks because of it like how did you feel about the overall sound of the album yeah um definitely consistent and i agree that it's like would be less grand and uh yeah i think um it is a little more like laid back but like electronic and kind of just like bubbly like production and uh stuff like that um and it is really consistent in that setting and um she it was tough i mean obviously she wasn't gonna reproduce charlie in just a couple short months but i think she stuck to um what she wanted to do and was super consistent on this yeah i totally agree with that so i guess we'll kind of get into a little bit of a track by track here you know i like wrote down some thoughts for what i thought of each song and then we can kind of just spitball off each other and you know talk about our favorite tracks that sort of thing so it starts off with pink diamond which is a really glitzy electro pop like kind of industrial song and she opens the lyrics by saying i just want to go real hard i just want to go real hard and charlie's someone who always talks about her love of partying her love of staying out late and hanging out with her friends and that's like the life she wants to live and that's what she portrays in her music which i've always thought is interesting like it doesn't necessarily seem like the most interesting topic to hear to your ears like you know maybe everybody talks about (laughs) partying and going out and stuff but it definitely feels real and it feels exciting whenever you hear it, which I think is really honorable. 
And um, you could tell in the first song she's already fed up with the quarantine situation. Yeah. And she wants to get out and, you know, attack the world. Yeah, going off that, I think it's a great choice for an intro track because that's probably how most people were feeling like right when quarantine started. So if this album is like the length of quarantine so far, the intro is just like, dude, I just want to go out. like, And so that's why I think it serves as a really nice opener. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the next track, track two, is Forever, which we've already mentioned a couple times. Oh, um, baby. I will, uh, I'll let Zane take over and just talk about Forever, but uh, yeah, this song is great. Yeah, Forever, first single from this album. And uh, I remember a couple nights after it dropped, I think, I was laying in bed listening to music on my headphones, and I was just like, oh, you know, like Charlie dropped her single, like I'm going to listen to it. And I was like about to fall asleep. And I put it on my headphones, and I was just like, holy shit, this song's amazing. Yeah. And I was just going crazy just in my bed, and it was wild. And yeah, Forever, such a good song. Um, definitely one of my favorite songs of the year this far. Definitely going to be one of one of my favorite songs of the year when the year's done. And uh, yeah, I love everything about this song. The hook is just so catchy. Want to scream it, like, every time. Yeah, definitely. Love listening to this song, like, in the car, driving around. Mm, me too. I was going to say that, too. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, I think, like, this song has just, like, the perfect blend of, like, like you said, like, you were just, like, tired and about to fall asleep, and you were going to listen to it, and this song is just, like, going to put you in a good mood regardless. Just, like, the I will always love you, like, I'll love you forever hook yeah. is just, like, so good, and the, the beat is so exciting. And at first, it's, like, a little abrasive to the ears, and then, like, it becomes very sweet on the ears as uh -huh. the song progresses. Totally. And um, just whether it be like when I'm going for a run or if I'm in the car or if I'm just like sitting in my room, like this song has never failed to like make me smile in the last few weeks. Like never. it is so good. And it's like, I think the perfect stamp on um, like how good this album is. Like I think like it was the perfect single to use and it's a single that like I don't think you or I is going to get tired of. Oh yeah. I've, I listen to the song multiple times every day, especially right after it dropped. And after hearing this song, I just could not wait to get the whole album. Um, and I think, uh, the second half of the song, like, uh, the, like the beat or the production like switches up and kind of gets a little crazy, which I think happens on a decent amount of songs on this album. Mm -hmm. And it, I just think it's really cool and makes for a more interesting song, especially when they're a little longer. And so just from front to back, this track is just so good. Definitely. Um, you want to talk about Claws a little bit, which was the second single? Yeah. Claws was the second single, which is also really good. Um, pretty similar to Forever, like, and just kind of being a love song, um, just talking about her relationship. And uh, I like it a lot. The second, again, the second half of the song kind of goes crazy at the end, which is, I think, really interesting and an awesome way to end the song. Um, the hook is just, like, simple, just like, I like, I like, I like everything about you. Yeah. And uh, which is just another catchy, you know, you want to sing that. And yeah, I, mean, I really like Claws too. It is another great single. Yeah, I think that Claws doesn't necessarily show like the the amazing vocal performance that say a Forever does or whatever, but I do think it's a really good and catchy song. Yeah, and I agree. I, I saw an interesting thing on Twitter the other day that uh, I don't know if this fits into that category, but it definitely makes me think of a song that would fit into that category is that made for TikTok music is now officially a thing. And, <laughs> and I think this song, like, especially with the video that she just like filmed at home too, is like so perfect for like a simple dance that you can do in 15 seconds okay. on TikTok. And I think it's pretty funny, but I do think the song is really good. Yeah. And like you said, like similar to forever has like that kind of good blend of like industrial and kind of glitzy and sweeter, like on the, 
you know, opposite halves of the song mm-hmm. and ultimately results in just what is like a, a really fun pop song to listen to. And then the album goes to Seven Years, which I wrote here is probably my least favorite track on the album. Okay. Um, I think that the vocal performance, like on the pre-chorus and the chorus, like it sounds like a little whiny to me. Like, it, like I tried listening to the song again today and to see if my opinion changed. And I was just like, oh, I really don't like this. And then like I skipped it and I think like this is the the one main low light that I had on the album. I don't know, maybe you differ, but like this is the first probably Charlie XCX song that I ever heard where I was like, I'm legitimately put off by this song. Man, I'm going to strongly disagree with that. And that's totally okay. Yeah, uh, I like Seven Years a lot. And I think it serves as like a really good transition from like two singles in a row into the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. I think it fits like right in line with the rest. And uh, I like it. I would never consider skipping it. And I think it, um, yeah, just transitioning from the singles to the rest of the album. Obviously, when singles come out, it's kind of, it kind of makes when you listen to them on the album like oh I've I kind of think of this song like at, in its by itself right and not as part of the album and so I think seven years does a great job of getting from the singles and reminding us that oh this is not just forever and clause this is the whole album yeah and I I really like the track yeah that's a good point and I think my opinion can change over time there were certain songs that I liked a little bit less on Charlie that I ended up liking a lot more later but this one, I, I don't know. I'm not quite seeing it happen yet, but um, I'll let you take over on Detonate. What do you think of Detonate? Okay, Detonate is a song I love. Um, the production is kind of cute and bubbly and uh, just fun, and that is just juxtaposed by the lyrics. So Detonate is the first song where Charlie is kind of going crazy in her head in quarantine. So it's like she's doubting herself a bit. You know, she's wondering... Um, if someone would really love her, why, like, all her insecurities are coming out on Detonate, which is transitioning from kind of just the lovey relationship stuff before. And uh, a lyric I have here is, I don't trust myself at all, why should you trust me, is a, is a lyric from Detonate. And also, I know I've said this twice already, but the song goes crazy again in the second half, and it's so awesome. Yeah, I think the the back half of Detonate is definitely, like, an exciting, like, good uh, encapsulation of Charlie XCX and like what she was trying to do on this album. And I think that's really interesting what you talked about, like her doubt for herself and like those themes carry throughout the album too. And mm-hmm. I'll touch on that a little bit more later, but I think is really different from the themes that she was trying to talk about on seven years where she's talking about this relationship that has been up and down for seven years. Yeah. And there was a lot of hard times, but ultimately she and her partner are better for it. And then in detonate where she's talking about just like, I don't trust myself. Like things are really hard right now. Like, how can you trust me? Like her mind is already like gone awry from in theory. She recorded seven years first is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And like, um, you know, maybe it's a few weeks later in this difficult quarantine situation where her mind's just like going crazy and she doesn't know what to do with it. And then she kind of just like put that on paper or put that in the music. And it, I think yielded a really good result. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think everyone experiences this in quarantine, like without a lot of contact, like you're bound to just kind of, get lost in your emotions and just kind of go crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're going to so, spiral at some point. Yeah, for sure. And so I just think that represents that feeling well. Yeah, definitely. Um, then the album goes to Enemy, where um, I wrote, I think this is where the album really picks up again, because I thought the first half of Detonate in Seven Years were like a little bit of a lull for me. But um, on Enemy, it's like the same themes of her clearly doubting herself, and she feels unsure whether she wants this relationship again. I thought this was a nice track. What do you think of it? Yeah, I really love the hook in this track. Um, super nice 
maybe you're my enemy. Now I'll finally let you come a little close to me. So she's kind of just, again, like considering like, why, like, why do you like me so much? Kind of this kind of stuff. Um, and I think enemy is a really good track. One of my favorites from the album. Yeah. Um, and I would say that enemy to me is kind of like, when I think of the album, I think up until enemy is kind of, I think where the album is its strongest. And I think it falls off a bit after enemy. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to have some difference of opinion there, but I do think that enemy is a good track. And uh, then it goes to, I finally understand, which I am a big fan of. I've been listening to that song a lot. It's pretty short. I wrote here that the, the opening drums on the production remind me of the song gone, gone. Thank you by Tyler, the creator on Igor, kind of like that, like slow drum pickup. And I really enjoyed that because it like brought me back to that song, which I really love. And um, I wrote down a lyric here where Charlie says, I finally understand, finally understand. My therapist said, I hate myself real bad. You tell me it's fine. Let me cry and hug it out. I think it's just like a point where she's got to like a really bad point of spiraling. And I think this whole self-doubt thing was clear at certain points on Charlie, but definitely more on this album. And I noticed that um, when I saw her perform, like on the Charlie tour in September of last year, where she was, you know, having a normal performance, she sounded good, like the fans were into it, and she, multiple times, she apologized, like to the mic, she said, it's like, it's not my night tonight, like I'm having a bad day, like I really hope it's not showing in this performance, like I wish I could have done better for you guys, and the fans were kind of like, doing their best to yell at her, like it's okay, like you're doing well, and I, th- I think in retrospect, like that was a really great concert, I think like, she performed super well, and every song was awesome, but this is definitely something that's plagued her for a long time, before recording this album, and those personal themes really shown through in the lyrics on this album. And I think that that song is a good encapsulation of it, and I really like the sound of it as well. Yeah, I agree that it, uh, it does a good job of um, kind of circling from all the self-doubt into kind of understanding and accepting kind of what's happening. Um, as a song, I don't find it the most like interesting, but mm-hmm. I, it's a decent song, I think. Um, and I do agree with the, like, the message behind it. And I understand that. Um, I just don't think it's that exciting of a song to me. Gotcha. And that makes sense. Um, So the next song is C2.0, which is essentially a sequel to the song Click, which was on Charlie. And Click, when Charlie first came out, was my least favorite track on the album. How it had like that crazy like electropop, like industrial mashup at the end of the song. I was like, this is hard on my ears, like when I have my headphones in. But I I eventually really loved that song. And I, I think that Click is like a really good just like I want to be with my friends like the people that I love being around and just like do our click thing and like I think that um her just like making a new version of it and putting it on the album like that can seem lazy to an extent but I think given the circumstances it's not that big of a deal here since like you don't have as much to work with like I said the studio time whatever and she kind of did the same thing on the last album from her I guess you call it mixtape pop too she had the song called track 10 which became Blame It On Your Love on Charlie featuring Lizzo, but like gave it this much more grandiose production and like had the Lizzo verse and um, real exciting sort of thing. So if this is something that she continues to do where she just like modifies a song onto a future project, I don't really hate it. And I think the new version is actually pretty exciting. I like how she kind of like paced up the production, but like quieted it down a little bit. It's, um, I would say not as good as the original version, but a fine like um, track in the middle of the album. Yeah, I agree that it's fine. And, uh, Talking about what you said about uh, the track 10 from uh, Pop 2 into Blame It On Your Love. Both of those songs are just two of my favorite Charlie songs ever. Yeah. And uh, so I think living up to kind of reworking a song 
like that was just an impossible task. So I think C2.0 is like, it's a decent track and a cool remix to click. But I think um, like trying to do what you did um, with Blame It On Your Love was just not going to ever happen because I just love both those songs so much. But I still think it's a decent track. Definitely. I remember at that Charlie concert too, she started performing track 10. It was like the slow version. And I was like, I feel like in the second half, like she's going to pace it up or she's going to play Blame It On Your Love and it's going to be like wild in here. Yeah. And she never did it. She like kept it slow. Because I remember like one of the first concerts I went to like in high school was I saw Kid Cudi and like he played the original version of Pursuit of Happiness and then like after that played the, the paced up version or whatever. Okay. And I was like, I remember thinking that was so cool, just like eight minutes of the same song, but like the two different versions back yeah. to back. And I don't know, it's like kind of a fun idea when artists do that. And remixes is a whole nother conf- uh, conversation, but this is a nice track. And then it goes into Party For You, which is one of the longest tracks here. What'd you think of Party For You? I love Party For You, one of my favorite songs from uh, on the whole album. And it's awesome. A little bit of research I did, I found out Part of You was the one track that she recorded recorded pre-quarantine, Okay. which is a bit interesting. But I think the message behind Party For You is just really great. Like, you know, you can't go out and party with everyone else, and so you just kind of got to make the most of your energy and focus it into who you're with and kind of... Yeah, whether yeah. it be, you know, your family, your um, significant other, your friends, yeah. whoever you live with, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, I mean, this is a great track. It's super, super catchy. And, um, yeah, I really love it. And I think it's, like, the standout track from the second half of the album. Ooh, I completely agree. I think Party For You is really good. I think this is one of the main points where we agree here. This one is more slow and reminded me of something that definitely would have fit in onto Charlie. and that make, So that makes sense that yeah, she totally recorded agree. it before then. It, it kind of reminded me of, like, Maybe the song official a little bit on Charlie where she's just like slowed down. She's just like really in her feelings about this person. And I thought some of the lyrics were like, were kind of funny. I, I thought when she said birthday cake in August, but you were born 19th of June, I think was just like a funny thing to hear when like you think of someone you really care about, like you all, everybody is like celebrated a birthday for somebody that they really care about. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be like, yeah, we're going out for this person's birthday tonight. It's like, oh, when's their birthday? It's like two months ago or something like that. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. And now I think like everybody's posting on Instagram, like can't wait to celebrate you or whatever. And like once we're out of this and it's just like, when's that going to be? But I don't know. I, just, I think like it ended up being a really good, like endearing song that to some extent, like everybody can relate to just like focusing your thoughts and feelings on one person or a group of people that you really want to be with, especially like during a tough time when you don't want to be doing all the same things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and then it goes into Anthems, which is the second to last song here. And uh, I took a peek into your notes, and I know we have a definite difference of opinion on, difference. on this song as well. Um, let's see. I guess I'll go first on this one. Um, so I think this is the one that most encapsulates how Charlie is feeling. It's a super manic beat where, like, it's really paced up. It's, like, it's kind of like the start of Pink Diamond where it's, like, really spazzy and she's um she said she just says like these days are exhausting go online shopping i'm so uninspired i just want to breathe flowers in the trees like what else does she say like she's eating bowls of cereal she's watching tv she's you know getting online shopping she's bored and just like all her thoughts just like she just like puked them up onto the page and we ended up with this song which i think like the sound of it i really enjoy like i think i'm gonna look back on the song in a few years and be like i remember that feeling like i remember feeling that way and i think uh-huh. like is kind of similar, not in sound, but in theme to the song Gone on Charlie, where she's talking about how she 
doesn't want to be going to these parties anymore. She doesn't want to be hanging out with these people who don't make her feel good about herself. It's a, a situation she's really uncomfortable with, but she's kind of coming to grips with it through her music and like kind of pouring that feeling out. And I think that it is a good kind of towards the end song on the album that um, showed her feelings well, and I enjoy the sound of quite a bit. Yeah, um, I mean, the message is clear and the message is understandable. I just... The production is super heavy, and the vocals are fairly distorted. Right. And I just didn't think it was the greatest sounding, like, just to my ears, you know? And so for that reason, I considered Anthems as one of my, or probably the least, my least favorite song um, from the album. The message behind it is, is, you know, makes total sense, and that's fine. I just think it was so distorted and kind of heavily produced that it just wasn't the most uh, enticing for me. Definitely. And, um, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I want to add uh, anthems and pink diamonds. Like they definitely are pretty similar sounding, and I agree with what you said about those two songs. Right on. Um, the last song here is Visions. Did you have strong feelings about Visions? Yeah, I really liked Visions, especially as a closer to the album. Um, I thought the production on Visions is wild and manic, but in a really good way. Um, especially when it goes crazy, kind of in the middle of the song. Yeah, I really love that part. Um, and she says, she's talking about the pictures in her mind about the future. And I think it's a great closer for that reason. Cause it's kind of just picturing, you know, what everything's going to be like after this whole quarantine is over. And I think this song is a great closer to, uh, how I'm feeling now. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a really good closer too. It's a song that I definitely enjoyed. Um, I'm not remembering it great in my head right now, like what she says in the lyrics, but the sound of it definitely stood out to me. Kind of like how it goes crazy in the middle. Like you said, so to kind of wrap up our conversation about Charlie, I think this is a really good album and we'll just kind of go through some of our highlights here real quick. So for all of these albums, at least for the new ones, we're going to be doing our favorite tracks and our least favorite track. And I think a rule that I'm going to set right now, so uh, you and I and the listeners all know, is for an album, if it's 10 songs or longer, we can choose up to five of our favorite tracks. And if it's shorter than 10 songs, we'll choose three of our favorite tracks. Fair. And then least favorite, we just do one or two or whatever. Yeah. So um, I'll let you, you start. What were your favorite tracks? My favorite tracks were definitely Forever um, and then Falling Forever, Detonate, Enemy, and Party For You. Those are my four favorite tracks. Um, for sure. Pretty, like, undoubtedly. I love those four. Cool. Yeah, my favorites were Forever, like I said. Amazing vocal performance, great lyrics. That's an amazing song. I really like Claws. I've been listening to that a lot still. I Finally Understand, Party For You, and Anthems. And then my least favorite track was Seven Years, as I mentioned. Yeah, and I put mine was Anthem. Okay, so, <laughs> and then for best production, I put that I thought Anthems was the best production. What did okay. you put? I put two tracks. I put both Forever and Detonate. Um, both really good yeah those are my favorite produced tracks cool um did you do a favorite lyric i did yeah and uh i touched on this a bit before but it's from enemy and it's just the hook maybe you're my enemy now i'll finally let you come a little close to me and i just thought it was so relatable at a time where people are like trapped at home with just their thoughts and uh just going crazy in your own head and i just think because it's so relatable it just is super clear and that's why i chose that as my favorite lyric yeah that's, I think that's really true. Um, the favorite lyric I chose is just like from one of the, I guess it's in the one of the verses on Forever, where she just says, you take your time, I take mine, we'll be fine, which is really simple, but I think is a point in the album where she says, we'll be fine. She like has some confidence in herself and she has some confidence in her partner. And even though she knows that this 
thing might not last forever. She'll love this person forever. And it shows a confidence in Charlie that doesn't necessarily show in the rest of the album. And I think I often like, like those parts of certain pieces of album or television or whatever, where it like really shows a person in a different light than the rest of the time, because it's like a little more shocking to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wrote, okay. So in a little bit of conclusion for this, I think that as I kind of mentioned at the start, I expected a little bit more from this album, but I really do enjoy it. I've loved listening to it this last week. I'm going to keep listening to it um, for the rest of the year. I love Charlie XCX, and um, some songs I'll definitely be going back to for a long, long time. I think as an entire body of work, it's a little bit less than Charlie, but it's just like, it's hard to live up to an album that good, in my opinion, and she's still one of the most exciting artists out there. Yeah, especially given the circumstances. Oh, definitely. A hundred percent. I think that um, she's one of the best things going in pop music right now. And while she's not necessarily the most popular artist on the planet and like, you know, another artist we've been listening to recently is Dua Lipa and it like made me think of her. Yeah, another another British pop artist. And um, it's made me think like, man, you know, I wonder if Charlie will ever get that type of recognition and then I thought, I don't know, she's kind of happy with being in her lane of having her cult following yeah. and she makes really good music. And I think that she's, um, she's right there as one of the best things happening in pop music right now. Yeah. I think she's, she's totally accepted of kind of the cult following that she has. And I think she's definitely happy with that. And, uh, for me to recap the album a bit, I thought it did live up to expectations after Charlie, um, considering the circumstances. And I think just track by track, it's, it's really consistent and even the songs maybe I didn't like as much as others, you know, it's still a really good listen just through the whole album. It's only 11 songs, 37 minutes. And I think it just goes by quickly. And there's not, there's not a point in the album where there's like a lull and I'm just like, Oh, I just want to get to this next banger or this next like track that I really love. I think it's super consistent and yeah, great, a great work from Charlie. Definitely. And I think that we would both strongly recommend this album. We think that, um, or at least myself, if you're into pop music, or even if you're not, like if you're into good vocal performance, and if you're into interesting production, like this album is definitely for you. Definitely check it out. And Charlie is someone who I think everybody should be listening to because she's one of the more consistent artists out there. Yeah, Charlie is definitely um, at the top tier of, of pop artists today. And if you're into pop, I'm sure you are maybe familiar with this album or Charlie at least. But anyone who's not even into pop, I think, I mean, this album is just great. And I would definitely recommend giving it a listen. It's only 37 minutes, as I said, and it's just awesome. Yeah, definitely. All right, we will be transitioning into our one old album um, of the episode now. So the the way that we kind of came across this is uh, Zane and I just have a list of a bunch of old albums we want to talk about over time, but I kind of just thought this one will be relatively easy for us to start on because we both have a good, strong opinion of it, and that, of course, is Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. This album was released in November of 2010, so it's been almost 10 years since this album released, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy to think about. Crazy. But um, we've been listening to it for a long, long time now, and definitely something that I feel every time that I listen to this album is it still feels new and fresh to me. And um, yes. So why don't you just give, you know, be as blunt as you can on how you feel about this album. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I don't want this pod to just come on and just rave about like every album we listen to and just be like, oh, this song's good, this song's good. Yeah. But I mean, we're going into it with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and this album is just, I mean, there's not enough to say about this album. What you said about every song like being fresh, I think is totally true. Um, 
a couple years ago, I was going to school in Orange County and kind of commuting up and down from there and uh, from San Diego. And I think when you listen to an album too much, obviously it gets a little old. So I try to restrict myself from listening to like great albums all sure. the time. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm like, oh, I'm about to drive for an hour, an hour and a half. Like this might suck. I'm not going to do this. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give myself a reward of listening to my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. <laughs> and then my day just becomes great because this album just bangs from front to back, like every single song. And I mean, we both love Kanye West and I just, yeah, I'm super stoked to talk about this album. Yeah. I think that so many people, including you kind of consider this to be, you know, the greatest album ever conceived and maybe nothing can even top that. And I think for a long time, like I've always liked this album, but I don't think I understood it to the extent that I was supposed to until a few years ago. Whereas like I, understand why people think this is Kanye's best work, this is anybody's best work, those sorts of things. Because I feel like this is when he most put his heart and soul into making interesting production, interesting lyrics, curating other producers to get on the album and make good beats, getting good features, getting good guest verses. And something that like I don't even think about until I looked at the length of this album is like it's an hour and eight minutes long. Like and like you said, the drive between San Diego and Orange County, that can be like almost perfect sometimes. And um I was just like looking at the length of some of these songs, like Monster, 6 minutes, 19 seconds. So Appalled, 6 minutes, 38 seconds. We know Runaway is long, but like Blame Game with the end part, 7 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh-huh. I'm just like, these these songs don't feel that long. You want to listen to the whole thing. You like, you want to keep hearing what Kanye and the guests have to say. And just like, I think for me, this is where I see Kanye to be at such like of a height of his powers. And people were so enthralled with him to an extent that, is so different today or maybe was different when the college dropout and late registration first came out. And that really shows in the music. Yeah. Um, about the hour and eight minute thing, obviously artists today are like going for streams and just dropping albums that are just so long and you just can't even get through them cause they're so long. Yeah. And with this album, like I didn't, I mean, that's surprising even to me to hear like it's an hour and eight minutes because it just goes like, so like there's not one point where you're like getting tired of it cause everything's different, you know? And for being that long and just holding your attention throughout the whole thing, it just, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. I think, like, um, the production is awesome on this album, and it's not necessarily like any other album that he's created. And I think that that's something that's so great about Kanye, is at least on his first, I guess, six or seven albums, like, it seems like the sound was really different each time. And I think that something he does an absolutely awesome job of is he gets artists for features like when they're at the height of their powers. Like you uh-huh. think back to, um, you think back to the college dropout, like him featuring like Most Deaf and like him featuring like Consequence and those sorts of things when those dudes were still hot. And then like on this album, he features like Kid Cudi and Pusha T and like Jay Z and Nicki Minaj. And yeah. so like he, he's getting the most out of them. And I think like that at certain times could seem like self centered for him and those sorts of things. Everybody has their opinions about Kanye's ego or whatever. But I think yielded such an awesome result on this album and i'm gonna highlight a song right now is so appalled which is a song that i obviously love is a song we're talking about the length of this too it's like so appalled will just play and it's got like that repetitive kind of refrain and hook on it and then it's just like the song will keep going you'll be like oh my goodness there's another verse yeah and just like every verse is so good and like you want to keep hearing the verses yeah so appalled is great one hand in the air, yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And just like, when it gets to, I guess it's Sci High's verse towards the end of the song, I'm uh-huh. just like, I can't believe the song is still going and I I'm know. still enjoying this, but it's so good. And um, the album kind of opens uh, with like a really like 
stadium grand track with dark fantasy with like that crazy intro with the girl talking obviously yeah it's Nicki Minaj it is Nicki Minaj okay British yeah accent, which is just crazy and awesome yeah it's it's so good and I think oh man ref, correct me if I'm wrong but I think that from watching it on YouTube his 2011 Coachella performance he starts with dark fantasy am I yeah, right about I that think you know I think you're right yeah okay. I think you know more about that than I do but I think you're correct. Doesn't he drop down? <laughs> yeah, he the... comes out of the sky. Yeah. And I remember it's just like, when it's just like, can we get much higher? Oh and he's God. just coming out of the sky. Yeah. I just like, I remember thinking, because I watched that, you know, however many years later, and thinking like, there is never going to be a point when Kanye West is like higher than he is right now. And okay, like, yeah. I, th- I think that like, that is an amazing thing for him and has made me like appreciate this album so much more, like watching the live performances and understanding like, everybody else's opinion of it because I have generally been on the train that like I like his first two albums like so much more than everything else and now my beautiful dark twisted fantasy has kind of become like not my favorite Kanye album but it's right up there at the top yeah as you said as about like the grand production and it's just such a great intro to the album as a whole and it really kind of just fits the mold of what this album is going to be in a great way and um I mean it's an amazing intro track how would you describe the sound of this album and what makes you love it? Um, I think a, in a lot of rap albums, like there's a focus kind of of the album, whether it be like lyrics or production. Or, and I think this album is like, does the best at just bringing everything together. Production, lyrics, features, as you said, just better than anything I've ever heard before. And so when I think of this as an album as a whole, I think of just how perfect he brings together every facet of like making music. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I think about this, just a masterclass in everything regarding rap. Yeah. I'm going to ask a perhaps stupid question, but do you consider Kanye West to be your favorite producer in music ever? Uh, yes. Okay. I would say yes. Yeah. Cause I think like in terms of volume, I consider him to be my favorite producer as well. And, um, you know, the rapper conversation is a different one, but I think like he has some, absolutely great verses on this album so good yeah and just like so many unforgettable lyrics and i think like it's because he kind of um he did the whole thing where i guess it was after 808s and heartbreak came out which would have been like 2008 does that sound right to you 2008 yeah. yeah um and um the whole grammys thing where he stormed in on taylor swift's acceptance thing and you know lobbied yeah. for beyonce or whatever and then he kind of was the vmas but vmas yeah. there you go yeah um that's right he kind of like got ostracized for that publicly and then he went away and kind of secluded himself in Hawaii for, I guess it was a year like, or something like oh, that. Was it that long? Was it, maybe not that long. I thought, I it, was, I thought it was a, just a couple months. Maybe it was just a few months. Sure, yeah, yeah. When, when he recorded this and he brought all the people that were featured and all the other producers with him to record the album. And then he kind of just made his stamp on, I am the most powerful thing in music right now. Yep. And I think that that um, is definitely portrayed in the song Power, which was one of the singles for this album. And I think um, it's still an awesome track today. And it's just like, everybody knows the song Power. It's been played in every, you know, sports arena or intro to whatever video you watch on YouTube or whatever it's been for years now. And it's still such a good song. And I think that uh, this album is loaded with songs that are just completely unforgettable. But I think, in my opinion, where I really like recognize how amazing this album is actually ends up being on the second half when it goes from so appalled at track seven i think just like those features from those three songs in a row like so appalled devil in a new dress and runaway uh-huh. and then i guess on blame game which is track 11 is just like hearing john legend in a way that like i hadn't really heard him before 
is like such a special feeling that like no other artist could get out of features that like you kind of said that Kanye did like he's just always gonna get the most out of those people yeah. because he's so good at the curation side of it um yeah man there's like you said there's so many good things to say about this album and uh I'm gonna keep listening to it forever and when I listened to it this week to kind of prepare for this it was it was still so much fun for me uh is there any like certain lyrics that stand out to you on this album that are just like you always find really memorable yeah totally um one of my favorite lyrics is from the opening track, Dark Fantasy, which we touched on already. Mm -hmm. But uh, the lyric, the plan was to drink until the pain over. But what's, what's worse, the pain or the hangover? Um, I mean, most of us can all relate to that. Like, you know, tough day on a brewski with the boys or yeah. something. You know, but I mean, and then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh shit. Like, I still have these problems and now I feel like shit. Yeah. And I, I think that lyric is super cool. Yeah, that's definitely a really good one. And <laughs> I think the his second verse on gorgeous because he has multiple verses on that song is like what really stood out to me it's just like that verse is so long and so ridiculous but like every time that i hear it i think you know people a lot of people make fun of kanye west for being like just a producer guy or not as good at rapping or whatever it's like i advise you to listen to gorgeous as many times as you need to if you want to have yeah. that be defied because when he says at the end, tell him hug and kiss my ass, X and O, and kiss the ring while I add it, do my thing while I got it, play strings for the dramatic ending of that whack shit, act like I had a, act like I ain't had a belt in two classes, I ain't got it, I'm coming after whoever who has it, I'm coming after whoever who has it, you blowing up, that's good, fantastic, that y'all, it's like that y'all, I don't really give a fuck about it at all. Because the same people that tried to blackball me forgot about two things, my, my black balls. balls. And then the verse end, and you're just like, that is so ridiculous. But it's like <laughs> such a great version of Kanye West of being him just being like so confident and just yeah. like ready to challenge really anybody in music. And it's just like, oh, Gorgeous is such a great song. Gorgeous, he just, I think Gorgeous is just undoubtedly like the, the peak song of just like Kanye just going in like lyrically. He's just like, you know what, fuck this. Like, this is me. I'm And just lyrically, I think he... That's his best lyrical track ever. Like, the two verses, the couple of verses he has are just so great. Oh, it's so good. And, I mean, obviously, the guitar in Gorgeous is just unreal. Yeah, and then just, like, both of the both of the features are so great. Kid Cudi on the hook, and I think, like, mm. Raekwon kind of, like, matching his energy at the end. Like, yeah. I think it was the perfect feature to have on there. Um, as for, like, other songs that stand out to me, um, a lot of people talk about uh, Devil in a New Dress as being, like, you know, one of the, obviously one of the best Rick Ross features there's ever been, and then uh, yeah. one of the best like hip hop features ever in general. You want to talk about Devil in a New Dress a little bit? Yeah, I mean, Devil in a New Dress is just insane. The Ross feature, I mean, definitely Ross's best feature ever, and um, just like the kind of minute or so before that feature, and then he mm. just goes in, just so sick with like, the keys playing. Yeah, yeah, so cool. Devil in a New Dress is great, and. What you said before um, about kind of the second half of the album may maybe being the stronger point, like the first half kind of has all the singles like Power, All, all the, the lights. lights, and Monster. Yeah. And so kind of when you listen to the album the first couple times, those are kind of what you remember it by. Yeah. But then when you listen to it more and more, you realize like So Appalled, Hell of a Life, you know, Devil in a New Dress are just as good, if not better than those, well, yeah, better than those opening tracks. And it just speaks to the depth of this album as a whole. Yes, definitely. All right, we need to talk about the elephant in the room on this album, and that is the Chris Rock portion of Blame Game at the okay. end of the song. <laughs> okay. Um, so 
Blame Game, I think, is an amazing song. Like, you... Totally agree. The, the things that he says on the lyrics, you're almost just, like, beside yourself every time you hear them that he would even say these things about, like, this relationship that he has with Inferi at the time is um, supposed to be Amber Rose. And uh, he's just, like, at a loss for, like, how to treat her or, like, how to even treat, like, the rest of his life in regards to it. And um, it just ends up being, like, this interesting dichotomy of, like, he's so confident at one point in the album and then he's just like so beaten up about this relationship at this point of the album. And then it just like goes into this Chris Rock thing where, I mean, like, I don't need to divulge the lyrics of that, like on this podcast, but most of you people probably know what I'm talking about. And it's just like such a strange thing. But at the end where Chris Rock just goes, Yeezy taught you well. Yeezy (laughs) taught you well. It's so good. And it just like, it it just like leaves you wanting so much more like with this album. And, um, yeah, so you, are you a fan of the Chris Rock, uh, feature? Yes. I love the Chris Rock feature. Yeah, so do I. Um, yeah, obviously it's a bit polarizing. Um, yeah, it's super polarizing. Yeah. Like, I think like, uh, the issue with, um, I don't know. Blame Game is just like a song that people have like, uh, have just like made fun of in the past. Yeah. It's so, like Blame Game we we're talking about. It's just like a lot of people have talked about like, this is so weird. Like why would Kanye even put this Chris Rock feature on the album? But I think like, it's such a good, uh, like nuance of the album like good idiosyncrasy totally. that like it, it's like one of the best skits that he's ever produced of like, like a, has, a bunch has, of good skits that who he's has had. a comedian on like a rap album you know and it i think it works wonderfully and like you can hate it you can love it but you can't really argue that it's not just like hilarious and how and how funny it is it's it's so funny yeah. i just like the amount of times where like we'll just in the past like listening to blame game it'll come on and be like this is so funny or someone will play it in the car and just be like should we let this part play? And yeah. it's just like, of course we should let this yeah. part play. Oh, man. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think you can, like, do favorite tracks on this album? Or is it just, like, too yes. difficult? Or? So, uh, I tried. And, I mean, I, we're not gonna... I'm not gonna say for every album, like, oh, I like every song. I don't like every song. But, I mean, it is actually impossible to pick, like, like you said, five <laughs> tracks yeah. from My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Um, so, the ones I went with... Um, with that being said, impossible to pick, but I went with Dark Fantasy, Gorgeous, Monster, Devil in a New Dress, and Runaway. Okay, that's really good. I went with, this is kind of just like, I did this as fast as I could, so I didn't deliberate too much with myself. Yeah. I went with Gorgeous, So Appalled, Devil in a New Dress, Blame Game, and Lost in the World. And then I said my best production is on Dark Fantasy, which I didn't list as one of those five, so really that's kind of part of it too. So okay. I don't know. It's just it's so many good things about this album overall we already kind of touched on our favorite lyrics on the album um did you have a best production or too hard to choose yeah hard to choose but i mean all the lights is awesome yeah i mean everyone knows all the lights just like so grand and just everything about it yeah maybe all the lights the keys and the strings on the interlude of course Yeah. yeah really good um uh i guess do you have a least favorite track if you had to choose one um oh man if i had to choose one i think i might say uh Lost in the world. Okay. Um, but I mean, I love the track. It's That's an impossible question, really. Do you have one? Yeah, I do. And my least favorite track is Monster. I think I've mentioned this to you before. It's a song that, when I first heard the album, I loved this song. And I think, like everybody says, you know, the Nicki Minaj verse is one of the great hip-hop yeah, features ever. everyone's always talking about that verse. I think, I think the Jay-Z verse is really good, but what bugs me about this song is the, the little Rick Ross portion at the beginning is mixed really poorly i think (laughs) and like you can barely hear his voice if you're listening to it on 
uh, you know, if you're just like not playing it out of a good speaker or whatever, you really have to crank it up. And I wish they mixed his vocals to sound equal to the rest of the artist's vocals yeah. on the song. But it's still a good song. I still enjoy Monster. Didn't Ross just like hit him up? He's like, yo, you want these like four bars? Yeah. To put in? It was just like, I think right, that's what happened. Yeah, which is weird because the recording does not sound like the rest of the song. Yeah. But it's still a good song. Yeah, and on, on Monster, obviously, everyone always talks about that Nicki verse. I mean, which is a great verse, but mm-hmm. I think Kanye's verse is just just as good. Like Kanye's verse is so good, the first verse in Monster, um, and I think it gets kind of overshadowed by Nicki's verse. But I love the track Monster. Yeah, what's your favorite guest verse on the album? Uh, gotta be Ross on Devil in a New Dress. Yeah, man, I was trying to think about this the other day as well, and um... also Pusha T on Runaway. Amazing. Oh man, it's really good. It's either, for me, it's either Ross on Devil in a New Dress or. Uh, Jay-Z in that opening one on So Appalled of just okay. like, just when he says moral victories are from minor league cultures and yeah, I already told you we major you cockroaches, I think like is so good. Yeah. And um, like such good classic Jay-Z just like with his braggadocia or whatever. Um, so uh, I guess in conclusion, like My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, we both find to be like such a great album and we're going to definitely talk about more Kanye West in the future because there's a lot more to discuss but um, I think, as I've kind of mentioned, this serves as a point where Kanye was at the height of his powers and really kind of showed that he was like at the top of music. And for me, it kind of separates a little bit of the old Kanye and the new Kanye. And I think we were talking about this a little beforehand, but that, that like differs a little bit for you. And um, a lot of people kind of think that's different. But for me, I think like Yeezus is what kind of starts the new Kanye because I think that's like so different from anything else oh, yeah, he's totally. done. But um I don't know, like, where does it kind of stand for you, like, in, like, where you think of Kanye's history? Yeah, um, so obviously the story, like, with all the backlash and the public, just in, in scrutiny and the public, and I think, uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was just Kanye just saying, like, this is who I am, like, I'm a beast, you know, and just kind of, I don't care if you all hate me, but, like, that's just kind of his stance on it, um, and in regards to the old Kanye, new Kanye, I would kind of disagree and say when I think of, or when I, just from based on people talking about it, I feel like people describe old Kanye, new Kanye, like as a college dropout up to graduation as being old Kanye. Yeah. And then I think 808s and then this is kind of the start of the new whatever, Um, which I mean, I'm not a fan of just like separating his career. Right. Like people say, oh, like the old Kanye is better because... Like, when you think of a Kanye West album, maybe you might picture the image of graduation. Obviously, that's a super famous... Image. Or how he dressed at the time, or what songs he was performing, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. but, I mean, every album is its own, like, piece of art, you know? And you can't... I wouldn't, like, divide it into two segments or whatever. And for people that are just like, oh, the old Kanye was so much better, like, listen to my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and just <laughs> yeah. an album like that, you know? And... You just, you can't talk about Kanye if you haven't really, like, listened to his music, which a ton of people love to do, which is just pretty irritating, but, you Yeah, know, that's really true. You can't do anything about it. That's definitely true, and I think it's been less important for you and I to, like, be like, I like the old Kanye, I like the new Kanye, or whatever. We've really kind of stuck with him up until this recent album, which we don't need to talk about too much, but, like, I think, like, we've tried our best to just, like, give him a chance no matter what shenanigans he's gotten into yeah. and whatever he said, just like the whole separate the art from the artist thing or whatever. And like in with my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, I think that he did reach a height of powers that I don't think he will ever reach again. And I think like for that 
we will always remember this as like such a classic album, even if we don't think of it the same way when we're 50 years old or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to like lead with this, but my beautiful dark twist fantasy is undoubtedly my favorite album of all time. And, um, I mean, there's not enough I can say about this album really just, it just bangs front to back and just, he brings in the production, the features, the lyrics are just all top class. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, that was fun. We uh, we were able to do it. We were able to record oh, yeah. our first pod. Uh, we'll try to shore up the kinks a little bit here in the next episodes, and we have a lot more Kanye West, a lot more other artists to talk about. We have to start discussing what our next new album is going to be, those sorts of things. But uh, we will try to give some variants. Like, we're not going to talk about five Kanye albums in a row or anything yeah. like that. And, um, you know, at a certain point, you know, maybe if we get suggestions or whatever, we can start talking about those things. But this has been the first episode of One New, One Old. I'm Nick Beach. Zane Moothart. Thanks for listening.